My number one goal for you today is to convince you that you need to take a nap. If that's not good news, I don't know what is. Yeah, thank you. If I had to guess, you're pretty tired. I think it's ironic that as we're wrapping up this series, I get assigned Be Still and Rest, as I just got assigned uh, 23 hours next semester. So I have to, to graduate in May, graduate on time. I have to take quite a bit of a semester next year. Um, and if I'm probably being honest, I can get that you're tired too. We just had a play not too long ago, and quite a few performances, quite a bit of practice that goes on to this on this very stage. And if you weren't in the play, it's the finals week, not too long from now. And you're either tired from finishing your big assignments, or you're about to be tired because you're about to finish your big assignments. In either case, we are tired. Maybe you're waiting for the the call of Ezekiel to lay on your side for 390 days. And then to turn over to the other side and do the same thing for 390 days. That is the type of call of God that I want in my life. (laughs) But rest is sometimes awkward for us to talk about. You can almost feel guilty if you say, yeah, I got a full night's rest, especially in this last few weeks of school. Or you can do what I did my first few years here, say, oh yeah, you stayed up till one to finish your paper. Well, I stayed up till two to finish my paper. And we need to know how to rest. So would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I do thank you for this school and just for the professors here who have shown me how to rest well and how, how Jesus rested. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through my inadequacies and, uh, and Lord, just give us rest. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. My life has been full of people who've given me a good rest in this very school and throughout my entire life growing up, but no so clearly as my own father did growing up. He was a man of great rest. Now, I remember my dad being very busy growing up. He was a minister, but I also remember him coming home every day at 5 o'clock and resting with his family. And I can testify to you to this very day that the example that you set as a person who rests well has eternal consequences with a great deal of people. Now, I could go on and talk about how my dad took us fishing, he took us camping, he rested with the family, but I want to focus in on someone who gave us an even better example than my father, because not everyone had my father growing up. The example of Jesus Christ. So what I did for this sermon is what I just read through the Gospels, asking the question, how did Jesus rest? And what can we learn from his example of rest? So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to pull out to Luke chapter 5. Now there's no way that we're going to talk about all the examples that Jesus gives us of rest. So I'm just focusing on three passages, three main texts we're going to look at this morning. <coughs> and the first one is in Luke chapter 5. To give you an idea of what's going on, Jesus' popularity before has been growing exponentially. Pharisees and everyone knows about him. Luke chapter 4, there's crowds following him. And Jesus is healing every kind of sickness, every kind of disease, casting out demons. And if you do that, you're going to get a crowd that follows you. Get into Luke chapter 5, and you, and you see that Jesus, even though his crowds are following him, he's going away and he's still resting. But the crowds come and they find him. And he just heals a leper. And this is where we get off with our text this morning. Luke chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 15. But the news about Jesus spread more. And great crowds came to hear him. And he healed the sicknesses. Yet he frequently withdrew to the wilderness to pray. 
to hear Jesus is surrounded by people who want to be healed. That's why they're following him. And he is the only person in the world who can guarantee them to be healed. The only one in the world. And Jesus knows this. And yet, he frequently withdraws to the wilderness to pray. See, it's about that time in the semester every year for the last five years that it's been tempting for me to forget to pray. It's not because I'm not doing important stuff. In fact, it's because I'm doing important stuff that I think prayer can wait. I want to encourage you over these next two weeks as you are finishing school to not put your prayer habits on hold. But to find rest and frequently stopping in what you're doing, not because what you're doing is not important, but because what you're doing is so important that you are too busy not to rest and not to pray to the Father. And I want to suggest the way that you do this is to find a lonely place. I had the privilege of uh, living in Barbados, working with an organization called WISE the first half of this year. And Barbados is this small country on the southeastern part of the Caribbean. Beautiful, beautiful land. The locals will call it the gem of the Caribbean. Beautiful country. I lived in this old slaves' quarters. That was my house that was older than America. And it was a 10-minute walk from the ocean. So, And for the first time in my life, really... I I frequently developed this habit of going to this cliff and being the only one on either side of me for a mile and just praying. What I learned in my time there and in my prayers there is you cannot know the benefits of a healthy prayer life until you experience them. You do not know what God is transforming you into until he transforms you. I want to encourage you today to find a place like that problem is we're in Missouri and there are no oceans surrounding by Missouri. So what that probably looks like for you is finding a lonely place in a room, shutting the door and praying in secret because your father knows what is done in secret. If we learn anything from Jesus in this text, it's this. You are too busy not to take the time and pray. Jesus was the busiest guy and by far he had the most important job ever assigned to any human being. And yet, how many texts show us about him going away alone and praying? second text we're going to look at this morning is a little different. If you could flip over your Bibles to John chapter 4. Now, Jesus and his disciples have been pretty busy over the last few days, baptizing more people than John the Baptist. And if everyone was being baptized by John the Baptist, what is more than everyone? Probably baptizing quite a few people. So Jesus decides to travel out to Judea and go back to Galilee. And this is where we're going to start off today, in chapter 4 of John, verse 6. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Jesus was weary from his journey. God in flesh was weary and tired. You know, a couple weeks ago when we were on Thanksgiving break, my wife and I traveled to Colorado uh, for to see some family. And we were planning on leaving one morning at 6 o'clock. We were just going to drive through the, the mountain of Kansas to get to Colorado. And uh, the night before, though, I had a coffee about 9.30. And I'm thinking to myself, I feel pretty good. We can get there tonight. We're going to drive overnight, and we're going to get there to Colorado. So my wife and I, we throw the dog in the back seat, and we're on the road, 
few coffees later. And I get through all the way about halfway through Kansas, about to Hayes, Kansas. And the coffee just stops working. There's nothing that's keeping me awake. So I blast the air conditioner. I count to 400 out loud, slowly, because I'm bored and I'm weird and I wanted to do that my whole life. Point being, I was really desperate to get there, really desperate to stay awake. And we finally got there, and sure enough, it's in the morning time, everyone's awake at the house, and I say hi to the family, but honestly, instead of having long conversations with them, I went downstairs and I took a nap, because I was tired. That's kind of how I see Jesus in this text. You see, he's, he's just finished baptizing more people than John the Baptist. And he's just finished traveling out of Judea into Samaria. He's so tired of all the silly, ignorant questions from the apostles that he sends them away. And he sits by the well because he's tired. And even in this moment, Jesus does not miss an opportunity for ministry. Ozark, we are in the final weeks of this semester. More is asked of you in these last weeks than any other part of the semester. And that is okay. And while it's true we don't often rest as much as we should, sometimes we are called not to rest as much as we want to, which is probably even more clear in our final text this morning, Matthew chapter 26. Such a powerful passage. Mark Moore points out about this passage in Matthew chapter 26 that it had been a pretty busy week for the disciples and apostles. On Monday, Jesus cleansed the temple. It's probably an emotionally draining day. Tuesday, we know more about this Tuesday than any other day in Jesus' life because of the long conversations and travels that Jesus does. Wednesday and Thursday, the poor disciples have been told that Jesus is going to leave them, that they're going to suffer, and they're questioning if they should follow this guy. They finally get to the Passover feast, and Jesus has all these discussions about the Spirit, about how they'll all betray him, and then he takes them to a garden. This is where we get our text This morning in the Garden of Gethsemane, verse 38 of chapter 26. He said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face praying, My father, if it is all possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And said to Peter, So, you men could not keep watch with me for an hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here Jesus is sweating blood because he is so grieved. And he tells his disciples to pray. And they sleep instead. Yet another clear example in scripture of how God puts certain times in people's lives where they are so tired, but God wants them to do more. Seasons of life. If you look closely at this text, you'll see something else. Jesus commands his disciples to stay awake. But what is the only disciple that we know of who was awake? Judas, the one who would betray him. And Judas comes to him at night. When I was reading through the Gospels, something that really popped out at me is the amount of times that Jesus rests during the day and sleeps during the night. He rests when people don't want him to. Isn't that interesting? I know you're tired, church. I know it's been a long week, and yet there's probably a longer week ahead of you. 
But our semester is not over yet. Students, this week you'll be tempted more than you have this entire semester to lie on how much of the book you read. And I'm begging you for the love of God, please don't let your tiredness leave you in temptation. Keep watch and praying that you will not fall into this temptation. Do not give in to this temptation. Rather, in the words of Chris DeWelt that I heard my freshman year, do not mistake doing well for doing well. Let me say that again. Do not mistake doing well for doing well. The reality is when Jesus was asking the most of his apostles was the time that they wanted to sleep the most. If a harvest worker decides that he is not going to finish harvesting halfway through, then only half of the work gets done. I learned from this passage that rest is sometimes something that you should do when you don't want to and no one else wants you to. It's something you should avoid sometimes because God is asking you to do something else entirely. So my exhortation for you this morning is simple. Finish the semester strong, then rest well. But I can't leave this morning without talking about the other kind of rest that the Bible tells us about in Hebrews chapter 4. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. My grandmother Nichols is weeks away, if not days, from passing from this life. She's a very, very faithful Christian widow. Her and my grandfather Nichols were ministers of the word for a number of years. They had five sons who are all still preachers to this day. And one daughter who married a preacher. Because we're Church of Christ. <laughs> she is about to enter her rest. And yes, I'll mourn for her. Yes, I'll be sad for her. But the bottom line is she has done her work. And she is about to enter her rest with God. See, I'm glad to be part of a school that trains men and women for a life of Christian service. So let me leave you with this thought. Will you finish strong even though you are tired so that others will enter God's rest? For our hope is not getting enough sleep. It's not in getting enough naps in finals week. It is about entering the Lord's rest. So let's take everyone that we can with us. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we look forward to entering your rest, for being with your son Jesus, and we thank you for preparing a place for us. Lord, help us to finish strong and protect us from falling into temptation. Amen.